You're locked in to the Big Red Louie podcast. On this episode, you'll hear from myself, Jacob Lane, as well as Presley Meyer, as we sit down with G.G. Robinson, former Louisville defensive tackle, and talk about his career as a Cardinal, the 2019 season, and the adjustment to Scott Satterfield, as well as look ahead to Saturday's matchup against Western Kentucky. Thanks for tuning in. Louisville football kicks off much-anticipated 2020 season in less than five days when Western Kentucky makes the trip up to Cardinal Stadium uh, against an opponent that uh, we've seen now two years in a row. And there's no better man to help us to, to learn a little bit more about that team and get a better inside look at what is going on right now in the Louisville locker room than our friend Gigi Robinson, former defensive tackle for the University of Louisville. Gigi, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. Good, my man. appreciate y'all having me on the show, man. First time. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and there's a lot to get into. It's crazy that there is actually going to be a football season because at this time, about two months ago, we're talking about who knows. Is it going to be in the fall, the spring? So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about what you got going on, man. You told us before we started that you're back home after the season ended. Uh, how has your your uh, preparation for the NFL gone, and what is the, the plan for you long term? Uh, not too much going on right now. I've been at home since well, I was in New Jersey training at uh, – place called Test Football Academy. So my agent had me training. And then literally probably my last week of training, I got word that we weren't gonna have pro day. So that was a bummer. I was bummed about it for a minute. And then uh, right before the draft, I had probably about 12 or 10 to 12 teams calling me. So I thought that something definitely was gonna shake, but uh, nothing ended up happening. So I was pretty bummed about that for a little minute. And then, I mean, I've just been keeping positive spirits, been working out still. I already went back, started going back to school again to finish my MBA because I'd already started it last fall. So I'm not too bummed about it anymore, but I mean, I'm still working out just in case. But other than that, I'm finishing up my MBA right now at Louisville online completely. I actually just got done doing some homework not too long ago, just so I could be on the show. And then <laughs> uh, other than that, nothing much is going on. I'm playing a whole lot of golf with my dad, and that's about it. That perfect segue, oh, Presley. You could not have set that up any better. My next question, right? So you finish college there's like just a pause on life almost and all, all you're left to do is a obviously you're going back to school but b train train for whatever's coming next and then c whatever whatever you do with your free time jacob and i jacob is is not a golfer um <laughs> and i took him last year and it was it was a spectacle to behold but that led to a conversation on our podcast like a year ago about if we could pick any Louisville athlete besides somebody on the golf team to be like our top golf teammate, like who would we take? And I said you, because I had seen like on Twitter or Instagram, like I feel like almost every day I was, I was going through Twitter, especially last year, and I would see you posting pictures on, on the golf course. What's that like? Where are you playing right now? You got a handicap or anything like that? Any advice for Jacob? <laughs> any advice for Jacob? So uh, I was a seasonal golfer probably all the way up during when I was at Louisville just because can't play golf too much. Workouts right. were hard. Didn't feel like going golfing after. Probably golf maybe one time a week during the summer with uh, my roommate Mason. Sometimes went with uh, Blunt and Creaky and they were really good. But I was decent back then and now I feel like I'm getting pretty much better than I was because I'm playing golf uh, quite a bit. Like I played, I went to Minnesota last week or this weekend just this just past weekend went and go play with my brother played on some really nice courses up there 
But around here, I play with my dad all the time. We go to some really nice courses. And uh, as far as handicap, I don't know if I have an exact handicap. Best score I've ever shot is an 88. Broken 80 probably twice. That's the goal every time I'm out on the course. But it doesn't always go that way. <laughs> fairways and greens, bro. You hit fairways and greens, you're going to shoot. You're going to get those scores down for sure. Exactly. That's my advice. That's, more, that's my uh, more advice chipping and putting for me. Chipping and putting? All right. Chipping and putting keeps the score low. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, let's talk some football before we, before we bore the audience here. Presley has been waiting to talk golf with somebody for so long because I just – Nobody engaged. wants to talk golf with me for some reason. Look, you two can start your own golf podcast. But let's, let's start here, Juju. You've had a few months now since the season ended to reflect on the last four or five years of your career. What's the one thing that kind of sticks out to you as you think back? One thing out of the whole five years? Out of the whole five years. There's a lot that happened in that five years too, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I guess I'd say uh, learning to just adjust on the fly because I had so many defense coordinators. Not, I mean, I guess two coaches, but more so six defense coordinators or five defense coordinators. So more the mental aspect for me, just being able to learn on the fly. Um, adversity is going to hit a lot. That's why I'm going through adverse times now, but I'm not really ever too bummed about it. I always keep high spirits. So n- nothing, nothing ever – Never too high, never too low. That's mainly what I've learned in my college experience. And I, I was going to say that I think that Jacob almost set you up for that, right? Like, that has to be the answer. If you played on a Louisville football defense, like, I'm sitting here thinking in, in, in my head, you had to have had at least, what, four defensive coordinators in five years, right? Let's count. I don't remember. Let's see. It was Grantham, Sermon, Coach Van Gorder. Two years, Sermon for Coach one Brown. year, Van Gorder for one year, and Coach Brown for one year. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, and then you got the Brown Dennison combo. Yeah. So there's there's all kinds of adjustments. At least you had had court, you know, going, you know, previously. Right, so. Yeah. So I had court. It was crazy because I had court my freshman year, and I want to say what was he quality control? I don't think he was a GA. I think it was a quality control guy my freshman year, okay. and like obviously like lower on the totem pole. And then my senior year comes around, and he's the big man on campus. Man, is the coach right. coordinator. So take me into – we talked about the defensive coordinator thing a little bit, but how much year-to-year did your role really change, right? I know by the time that you left, you were playing nose tackle in a 3-4 defense. That's not – I don't believe how you were expecting things to start. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you were recruited as a defensive end. Uh, but how did those changes and kind of prepare you for, you know, the last season um, and, and dealing with something so new? Uh, I'd say it was pretty – I wouldn't say it was – it wasn't – very different until year five. Year five was when it got pretty different. Like the defense they ran, I've never been a part of anything like it. I obviously I wasn't bought in at first, to be honest, and I didn't like think that I, I just didn't know if it'd work. But after that spring, spring I wasn't bought in, and then as soon as uh, summer and fall came around, I just realized like, man, they know what they're talking about. Obviously, they just won. They won so much at App State. They know what they're doing. So I did. Uh, I just bought in, and that defense uh, it turned out to be fine. And uh, this year, I expect way more big things out of them. But I just, I just kind of got off topic. But each year, my role did change a lot because with Grantham, I got recruited at D tackle. I was playing three technique, and with Grantham, I was playing three technique, one technique. And then when Sermon came, it was the same, basically the same defense, just different terminology. Ben Gorda came, basically the same defense, different terminology. I played more one technique than three technique, though. And this year, or last year, was the first year where it, like, completely changed and I was completely playing, like, a zero technique nose guard. 
So every other year was the same until this year. But like I said, it was just being able to adjust to a playbook and just listening to coaching and everything just went smoothly. Yeah, and that, that's the first thing that comes to mind with, with this coaching staff, right? And not only that, but, but you guys had to adjust to a new system with a, with a group of players that aren't necessarily, weren't necessarily recruited to play in that sort of system. Right. Um, I know Keith Wynn, who, who's a guy who covers Card Chronicle, he is, is a football nerd. I'm not sure if you've ever run into Keith in, in your time at Louisville, um, but he mentioned that you guys quite a bit on third down, for instance, you would throw in uh, Jared Goldwire as well, and you guys would both be on the field at the same time, and you'd be kind of acting more a- a- as a pass rusher. So you had all kinds of different things being thrown at you. You have new schemes. You have to learn how to play multiple positions in that scheme, at least situationally. Um, it, it, is, is, that, is that the case? Was Keith catching on to something there? Yeah, so, I mean, it was a completely new scheme. So nobody had ever seen a scheme like they brought in at first. And mm-hmm. like I said, like, obviously, we just weren't open to it at first. And then we realized that it was, it was they knew what they were doing and it was going to work. All we had to do was listen to them. And then, yeah, you're right, on third downs, the, the defense completely changes from a typical three down, like head up on the tackles and head up on the nose, I mean head up on the center, to two, three techniques and two, five techniques. It just completely changes. Way different than on the first two downs. Third down was my favorite down, obviously. Get, get to rush the passer. And yeah, me and uh, Bill Wire were on the field at the same time. I feel like that uh, was – we worked that worked out pretty well. But, yeah, so – he was completely right. He was he hit the nail on the head with that one. It's a scheme, like totally different scheme wise. And like you said, offensively offensively and defensively, just these guys weren't recruited for this particular scheme, but you gotta learn how to fit in with it and make it work. Yeah, I mean, y'all had to be thinking that they were crazy when they tried to when they I mean they did. They moved Rajay Burns from cornerback to linebacker. Like I could sit there seeing like, man, this ain't gonna work. What are y'all doing? Like yeah. who who moves a cornerback to linebacker? Like, so not only you have yourself transitioning into roles, but your your teammates are transitioning. Dudes are dropping left and right, transferring, leaving. Right. Um but then, obviously, we see what happens, right? You all have a, a great season. Um, I mean, just a complete 180 from the year before. Was there ever this feeling of, like, the, it was just too good to be true? Like, the, the connection and how quickly you all mesh and how quickly you all were able to turn that into wins, right? You, you see teams all the time have to learn to win again mm-hmm. after going through a losing streak. But it felt like as soon as you all touched the field, it didn't matter if it was Notre Dame, EKU, you guys wanted to win the football game and you were going to compete every single snap where maybe that wasn't the case before. Right. So, I mean, going back to the year before last, obviously we wanted to win. It was just like we're going out there doing everything in our power and we couldn't win. Like we couldn't do anything. Nothing we did was going to change the outcome. We were just losing. And then when they came in, we just, like I said, by that summertime, everybody was pretty much bought in. And everybody who wasn't going to be bought in, like had transferred out, like you're saying, a whole lot of people were transferring, things like that. And, I mean, everybody was bought in. And we – obviously, everybody goes into the year thinking that you can win a national championship. And, obviously, that's not true for a whole lot of teams. Like, but they all have that dream. And, I mean, shoot, we thought it. We definitely thought we can go 12-0. and and, and we went out there and we played like it. And especially the first game of the year, like, obviously, we shocked a whole lot of people by uh, even being that close to Notre Dame and being up on them for a minute. But – I mean, once everybody was bought in, I don't think that – none of it came as a surprise. So you have a new 
new scheme, new system, uh, maybe not as much depth as, as you guys would like. So that means that you're staying on, on the field a lot more. This year, Louisville loses you, Boozy Whitlow, Gary McRae, to name a few guys. Um, what, what do you feel that Louisville brings to the field this year? Obviously, it's, it's, it looks like Jerry Goldwire is set to kind of step into your role. Uh, how do you feel that that who is left the guys that are left on the team can step in and do you think that they can improve upon what you guys started last year I mean I'd be disappointed if they don't there's no way they don't like a whole year in the scheme you got to get like it just, just it's just what's gonna happen you're gonna be better in year two and like you said Goar taking over where I was at he's I mean he, he'll be just as good if not better than me I, I have no doubt in my mind that he will be and I mean I everybody's just got to step up. And I know that there's going to be new guys on the defense. I haven't really paid too much attention as to who came in and whatnot. I know my guys, and I talked to the guys that – I talked to some guys still. I expect a bigger year out of, like, people like CJ and Dorian in the middle. Like, they've been there for four years, basically starting for four years, especially Dorian. Like, I expect a big year out of both of them. So they got to hold it down in the middle. And if they hold it down in the middle, then I'm sure that'll feed – everybody else will feed off that. I did hear that they got a new uh, – like their secondary is going to be pretty good this year. That's, and I heard that, so I'm excited about that. Are they yeah, so, a transfer DB or something? Yeah, yeah. They brought in Cottrell Clark from Liberty. Um, and to get him eligible seems to be a pretty big deal considering that, that that was an area where they were looking for some more bodies. But what in your mind does Jared bring to the field that might unlock um, some new parts of the defense, right? I, I know we talked a little bit about um, some of the factors that went into the pass rush struggling last year with obviously death being one of the biggest ones. It's hard to create a bull rush when everybody's tired, but right. in your mind, what does Jared unlock defensively um, and allow them to do maybe that, that, that couldn't be done last year or that's just different from what was done last year? Uh, way, well, he's way stronger than me. I can tell you that much. He's, he's big, strong, quick, not quicker than me, but he's quick. <laughs> he's definitely strong, man. And I, he just, somebody can, who can control the center. Like if that's what you need in his defense. Like if the center can, is going to manhandle the nose all day, then there's no defense out there. So if somebody who can manhandle the, uh, the center, he's been doing it for a year. So it obviously should be, it should be second nature to him doing it this year, and it should be way easier for him. He knows what to do. Like last year when they came in, they were teaching us all new footwork and things like that. It was kind of weird. And now you've been in it for a year. He's going to be way better. And as far as pass rush wise, I mean, what's the name came along at the end of the year last year? I mean, Jared had two sacks, yeah, or maybe three. But what's his name came along at the end of the year last year? Uh, Monty, and he went off. So. And me and him uh, had a little wager on who's going to lead the team in sacks, and he didn't, he beat me. But uh, yeah, so he's coming along. I definitely think if I had to if I had to bet on anybody who's going to lead the team in sacks, it'd be Monty. That's really interesting, weird because you know you don't think about a guy like Monty. He's probably one of the smaller guys on the on the defense making an impact. I know he's put on a lot of weight since he came to to Louisville, but you know this is that's a guy that was virtually unheard of before he came to Louisville. And then he immediately, I, I remember court Dennison saying, you know, don't let the size fool you. Like he's a playmaker. Super and fast, super it, duper fast and uses his hands really well. That's all you need at, in a pass rusher. And it doesn't matter how big, how small he's, he's very fast, good first step. And he always uses his hands better than anybody on, on the field. 
So you, you mentioned Monty Montgomery. Are there any other guys on the defense that you don't hear uh, maybe teammates talk about, coaches talk about, fans, uh, that, that you don't think they get enough love? Is there anybody on the defensive end that, that you would say to look out for, for them having a big year this year? Uh, I need a big year out of TP, definitely. Okay. His last go-round, I need a t- big year out of him. Um, I mean, obviously, like I said, I don't, I don't keep up. I don't talk to the coaches too much, obviously. Uh, sure. it's Coach Ivy texts us every single day. He texts us the Bible verse every single day, but we don't talk football. So I'm not sure quite exactly what's going on, but I personally would expect something big out of uh, Trinnell Troutman. He's always been a baller, like on special teams. He's just had to find his way onto the field, and I just hope he finds his way onto the field this year, and I expect a big year out of him. Yeah, that's one thing that stands out to me about this defense, too, is that, you know, we mentioned Monty Montgomery. We mentioned, like, a C.J. Avery, Trinnell Troutman. There's so many guys out there that, maybe might not be like as physically imposing. Like they might not be a Gigi Robinson. They might not be a Jared Goldwire. They might not be a Jadarian Boykin, who's a name I know that you've heard at least a little bit, you know, so, th- but it, 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 do- it doesn't matter in, in Brown and Dennison's defense. It seems like they can utilize these guys. Do, right. do you feel like that, that's something that makes them unique and hard to prepare for? I do because like you said, people are out of position, like relatively speaking in other defenses, Roger's not playing. Nobody's linebacker. Right. In other defenses, some of the D linemen aren't playing anybody's – aren't playing on top of no – any uh, – right on top of the uh, tackle. Like, last year, Dana's not playing on, on top of nobody's tackle. But the way that they play defense, it works out. And Dana had a good year, and he's going to have a good year again because the way that they scheme and uh, for everybody is not really the size of the player at all. It's more of – everything's technique wise more than ever before than any other defense I've been in most of the time. Like, obviously like you're not lining up here. If you're like this big, but it works out for them. Like they have smaller guys that play linebacker, but we're moving every play. So that helps them. They're out on space. They're not really having to take on too many hard blocks and things like that. So yeah, schematically uh, I like their scheme, how smaller people can play different positions that you wouldn't even really expect. All right, let's move to the other side of the football. And I want to talk a little bit about Mikhail Cunningham because, well, first of all, let's set the record straight. What do you all call him? Is his name Malik or is it Mikhail? Because that, the, the halfway switch at the Boston College thing was strange. And then from there on, it was just really an either-or type of deal. Nobody on the team calls him Mikhail, I can tell you that. <laughs> I still – I remember that day because we covered that game, the Boston College game, and, and got the, the word beforehand that he was going to switch names, and everybody was so confused by it. But let's talk about him for a little bit because um, you obviously were here for Lamar Jackson for a little bit and, and have gotten to see excellence at quarterback at the highest level. Uh, Mikhail, his first year – Malik, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to backtrack here. Malik, his first year – um, I think we can all say he looked a little lost, whatever you want to call that, the, the system, the coaching, whatever. Um, and so last year when he becomes the guy and he takes over, I think the Florida State game is the game where I can see a different quarterback. What is it that changed? Because before you had a guy who was scrambling every time he was, in, you know, dropping back. There really was no passing game. Um, and when there was, it was intermediate at best. But uh, by season's end, obviously, he's leading the nation in big plays, 90, 80, 70-yard plays. I, I know a lot of that is 2-2 in the guys. But um, in your mind, what changed? Like, when did he see kind of who he could become and then started to click for him? I personally feel like this is just, like, the system for him, like, this fits him to a T. Like, not everybody can play in the system. Like, you can put a pro-style number one 
uh, pocket passer in the nation. He's not going to fit into the scheme. Like that's not that's not going to be him. And Malik just fits perfectly into this scheme. And as soon as he figured that out, obviously it takes a few games for you to fill it out. You can be go through as much camp as pop as you want. That nothing's like game reps. As soon as he got the game reps in and everything just started clicking, he's out there looking like an All-American. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Again, I say the Florida State game is where I could audibly see the switch. But, you know, in the Western Kentucky game even, you could see, um, you know, him getting a little bit more comfortable as the game went on. Obviously, the injury knocked him out. Um, what's the next step for him? Do you think he can be an NFL quarterback? Like, do you think that he can take that step this year and, and maybe next year uh, and become a guy who goes and kind of follows in Lamar's footsteps as a similar type quarterback? Or um, do you think there's still a little bit of ways to go there? Shoot, I don't know what year it'll be, but like this year or next year. But I mean, shoot, who, who's to tell him that he can't be? I feel like obviously people told Lamar he couldn't be an NFL quarterback. So people are going to tell him that he can't be an NFL quarterback all the time he's going to get that knock all the time. Like, no matter – and it, that goes to show you, it doesn't matter who you are, you might get that knock. Like, Lamar got it. So – and he's an NFL MVP. So he's going to get the knock that he can't be, but he definitely can be. I believe it, that he can be uh, – goes in NFL. And obviously there's things that he needs to polish up in his game, but he definitely can do it. And in terms of his freshman year when he got onto the field, um, you know, in 2018 – uh, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because I really don't like talking about that season. But in your <laughs> mind was was because, you know, we went into last year wondering could, could Malik even throw the football 10 or 15 right. yards down the field accurately. We never saw it. When he was – I mean, when he was playing, he was running for his life the majority of the time. But the passing game really was kind of um, short yardage at best. Did you all know he could just launch the football like that and it was everybody else that jokes on them for not knowing that? Or is that something that the new staff came in and Frank Ponce is like, hey, man, switch the football a little bit like this and then throw it and see what happens? All right. No, I don't think anybody taught him how to throw. He's always known how to throw. But obviously it's hard to throw the ball down the field when you're running for your life. So it's hard to want to uh, stand up in the, in the pocket and be comfortable when you're getting hit a lot. So it's just like – and then when you're losing, you always want to make a play, like just certain things. I mean, obviously, I guess that all could like factor into people not looking as good as they possibly could, especially in that 2018 season. But yeah, he always could throw the ball. Like, I mean, obviously, maybe uh, th uh, this past year, he probably got way more accurate, but he always could throw the ball. All right, let's talk about Western Kentucky a little bit, obviously, with Louisville taking them on on Saturday. You're pretty familiar with them, having played two years in a row um, in those matchups. Last year, the game, I thought the game was um, competitive, but the score doesn't really tell that, right? 38-21, Western Kentucky scored a little bit in garbage time. Uh, but that game was one we looked at as being a good test. Again, it's the same thing this year. Western Kentucky brings back the majority of their team from last year. They're really going to be focused on trying to run the football. Obviously, with what happened against Kentucky, that's going to be the game plan now for teams with a running quarterback. Tell me what if you remember or what you know, you can divulge what went into game planning for Western Kentucky last year. Um, and how did you guys perform so well against the run? I mean, I think it was, uh, you know, 40 or 50 yards rushing and that was it. Uh, and the rest of their, their points came through the air. How did you guys um, do so well stopping the run? Uh, for starters, yeah, every team is going to try to run the ball on you, especially when we did what we did uh, versus Kentucky last year. Every team is going to try to establish the run. And if you can then you're never going to stop seeing to run that game. So you got to stop it early and often and then make them throw the ball. That's what we did versus uh, WKU last year. As as much as I can remember that game, I don't know why I don't remember that game too much. All I remember was – Probably because it was 9,000 degrees. Super hot. That's hey, I remember that. It was super hot. 
But, I mean, what I remember is we would stop the run on first and second down, and they had to pass the ball on third. And when you do that and you get the team off the field in three downs, you're – that's – I mean, that's the best thing you could do as a defense. And on, if you stop the run on first and second time down, then you know what they're doing on third. So they have to pass the ball. And I felt like that's what we did versus uh, WKU last year. We talked about that, that run get defense, right? You know, it seemed like it became an issue. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think that, that the big knock on, on the defensive strategy um, for, for Brown and Dennison is gonna, going to be that there's less size. And that's, what, that's why – other teams are successful, specifically when you look at, at a team like Miami, Kentucky, uh, Florida State. Some of those teams have really big, talented, athletic offensive lines. The, does that hold? Does that theory hold any weight, or it, was it more um, a lack of depth? What, what, what exactly? What, what exactly led to some teams being so successful in the running game, and what can they do to combat that this year? I uh, personally don't think it's the size or the depth. It was if you if you turn on the film, you look at it, people are not doing their job, like not executing, like uh, people jumping out of their gaps. Like on every single play, I'm uh, almost positive that on the defense we're gapped out. Like we have this person should be in this gap, this person should be in this gap, and sometimes like I'm I was guilty. Sometimes I'd be I'd have this a gap, but if I see that I can make a play in the other a gap, I'm jumping out of it, and that's not my play to make. So if he sees me jump here, he might go and cut in my A-gap and go for 100 yards. So every time you turn on the field, film where we were doing bad, it was people not doing the right, not doing their job. It wasn't size or anything. We were holding our own versus um, uh, nobody was blowing each other off the ball when we played bigger competition. It was just wide open holes. Why is that happening? People are out there gap. The the one thing about Western Kentucky that I thought was interesting last year, and obviously this is not on your side of the ball, but uh, when I went back and watched that game again this week, I, I realized the offensive line struggled a little bit protecting uh, Malik. And, and I, I think he ended up with like 16 or 17 rushes for only like 43 yards, which kind of shows he was bouncing in and out of the pocket trying to make, make plays. They finished with three sacks. So back up a little bit. Let's talk about the offensive line for Louisville because you lose Makai Becton, who is, you know, clearly one of the best offensive linemen to ever play for Louisville. Tyler Haycraft is never going to get the appreciation that he deserved. He should have been playing a long time ago because there was nobody blocking the way that he was blocking last year in 2018. But they struggled at times to kind of keep uh, Malik upright and against some of the bigger, again, goes back to that bigger defensive lines. You know, they struggled against the, the Miamis and the, the Notre Dames and, and the Western Kentucky one kind of threw me off. So you throw in two new starters, which you're familiar with Adonis Boone um, and, and Renato Brown, at least a little bit. How do you think that they're going to fare in there? And do you think that Louisville's offensive line collectively can take a step forward, even considering what they lose? I definitely think they could take a step forward just because of a year of experience under your belt. Like, and under this same uh, system, um, I definitely would say that that would be one of our most undersized positions, but they don't play like it. They play, they are hard nosed and they play hard. So, um, and as far as the uh, newcomers, which I wouldn't even call them newcomers, Adonis Moon started a whole lot of games last year and he, he, uh, he held his own, he did well. I would go against him in practice all the time last year. So I know how he plays and I like Boone. And then uh, as far as Renato, uh, man, Coach Mike and them got him right last year because he was not – I mean, I wouldn't say like, – he, he wasn't stepping on anybody's field last year, but when it got towards the end of the season, 
Like I could just, you could just tell like the way his body looked and the way when he put his hands on you, he was like he had been in that weight room. He's definitely, I don't know, if he's still been pumping that iron how he how he was at the end of last year with Coach Mike, which I have no doubt that Coach Mike has been getting all of them right, he'll be ready. All right, man. He's, he's light on his feet and agile. So we, we've done, I'd say, four or five interviews now with players who played with Lamar Jackson, and we always end our interviews asking for the best Lamar Jackson story. We've heard the story of Lamar getting kicked out of practice for doing a backflip. We've heard the story of an ACL tear that may or may not have happened on a Lamar juke. Uh, Keith Kelsey told us the story, this would have been before you were there, but of when they asked Coach Petrino to take the tackle jersey off of Lamar, and which he did, and Lamar absolutely destroyed them as a freshman. Tell me your best Lamar Jackson story. Before I was there, me and Lamar was in the same class. Okay, all right. So I'm a year off then. So you were there then. All right, you play with Keith. Okay, I got to yeah, give you that. That's so, my fault. And that's crazy because that was going to be my story. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I'll never forget, like, at no other school in the country are you tackling your quarterback, like, not your star quarterback. Obviously, he wasn't the starter back then, which was his freshman year, but I'll never forget that he was live for a whole scrimmage when uh, he, was whole, he was live for a whole scrimmage, one uh, scrimmage my freshman year in camp. And I'll never forget. But yeah, he he did go crazy on us. Like he was not getting tackled, even though he even though he had the uh, he didn't have on the non-tackle jersey, he still wasn't getting tackled. And it wasn't because we weren't allowed to. We were trying. All right, and I gotta ask this because I've asked before. People, some people have told me, some people won't tell me. Did the ACL tear happen to the player? That I, I have heard the name of who it was, and I had a class with this player, and I do remember him being in a walking boot for a certain time when I was at U of L. Did Lamar Jackson juke somebody out of an ACL? I need to know the name to remember that. All right, hold on. Let me see if I have the chat function on Zoom here, and I will text you or I will message you the name that, I, that we have been told several um, times. Is that, is that a true story? When I saw when – when you were saying that, that's the name that came to mind as well. But, I mean, I would think that was freshman year. Because I think he would have been a sophomore or a junior at the time, talking about the player that, that people have mentioned got hurt. Um, I, think, um, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I do – I vaguely remember that, where he did get hurt. I don't remember who he was trying to tackle, but, it, I mean, if it was Lamar, I'm not surprised. <laughs> that is incredible. Well, Gigi, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been a pleasure to get to talk football with you. Let's do this again, man. You're welcome back. We could do this weekly. We can do this however you want to do it, but we would love to have you back on to talk about um, Louisville as we get along the season. Let me ask you this. We'll finish here, actually. Give me, if you can, I don't know if you've looked at the schedule or kind of uh, gone through it. Do you have a prediction on uh, the final record for them? Uh at the very worst, eight and two, but I, I could easily see them going ten and zero. It's only ten games, right? Yeah, well, eleven if you count Western Kentucky. Yeah. Well, well, I can easily see them going, like losing. I mean, I don't even want to say they're gonna lose because I want to see them in the ACC championship. I, I mean, I can see them going eleven and zero easily. Obviously, like not saying they're scared of Clemson, but they're not on the schedule this year, which plays into our favor. So, not saying that we don't want Clemson. Obviously. People are going to say you want Clemson or not, but oh well, they're not on our schedule. I feel like that plays into our favor. They definitely can go 11 and 0. Um, obviously, some very hard games on there. I was talking to somebody about it the other day. Notre Dame, obviously, tough game. Uh, Miami, obviously, tough game. But then, other than them, teams in the ACC are no slouch. Like you'll get the you'll get your A game out of every team you play. 
Like, you'll run into a team that you may not think you're going to lose to, maybe like a Boston College or somebody, and they just come out hot just because that's how they play. So, I mean, it, Louisville has to bring it every single game if they do want to have that chance to go 11-0, like a lot of people are hoping for. But I definitely could see it. I'm excited to see how they play uh, on Saturday, though. Yeah, same here, man. It feels like we have been breaking down this team in particular more so than any other team that I, at least that I've covered. I mean, we've had five months of offseason here, uh, and I'm excited to see some football happen. Ladies and gentlemen, Gigi Robinson, thank you so much for your time, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, my man.